It is Force Friday, and we are breaking down all the stuff we'd like to buy. Kevin Feige is also in the mix, and now we also have a showrunner announced for the new Obi-Wan series. All this and more on Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge. I am joined today with the lovely Brad Whipple from uh, Friends of the Force, and we're just gonna, there's lots of things to cover, but first, how about you tell us a little bit about what you do and your show and everything like that? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on, Shannon. Uh, you are actually a friend of the Force yourself, because you've been on the show a couple times, but Friends of the Force is a positive Star Wars talk show as I'd like to refer to it but it's in podcast form but uh, I bring on a guest every week on Monday and Thursday Thursday being our interview series and Monday being our main show and we just pretty much talk about one specific topic usually cover news and really get to know people's Star Wars fandom and all in a very positive light we're critical yet positive um, Star Wars fans and we love the series we don't hate no hatred allowed that's how we roll. <laughs> and it's just me as the host. So even though it's called Friends of the Force, it's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it might be nice to maybe get like a couple of the other podcasters around and almost do like when, um, you know, The Rise of Skywalker comes out, we could do almost like kind of like a review, mm -hmm. like do like a spoiler review right. where we kind of just go literally just go through the film and <clears> just cut. Well, I mean, I guess we won't have it in front of us, but yeah, we can kind of just... <laughs> talk about our favorite parts and like you say be critical but positive yeah. kind of yeah thing. it's all about perspective so, you know you can uh i think it's a star wars fan or any a fan of anything you're allowed to have criticisms of things i definitely don't love everything in star wars but in terms of oh, like yeah. the really good causes worth fighting for i'm really a huge fan of and i i will die on those sorts of hills um so it's just a matter of you know respect and yeah Absolutely. So if you are first to listening to this show, this is Postcards from the Galaxy's Edge, and what happens is every episode we broadcast from a canon planet, and it's usually my guest's choice of canon planet. So where are we going to today? We are going back to Jakku! <laughs> Yes, we are. And Jerry is gonna our lovely cannon junkie. He's our navigator, and he's gonna give us some cannon facts about the planet of Jakku. Thanks, Shannon. Make sure your tetanus shots are up to date because we're blasting off to warm, junky Jakku. Jakku was a remote desert planet located in the system of the same name within the western reaches of the galaxy's inner rim. Though considered by many within the galaxy to be distant and relatively worthless, Jakku was soon the site of important events that would shape galactic history. In 580Y, Jakku was the site of the pivotal Battle of Jakku, which ended the Galactic Civil War in favor of the New Republic. It was also home to one of Emperor Palpatine's observatories. He had various locations uh, at different nexuses of the Force across to, located across the galaxy. A generation later, the planet was home to the scavenger Ray, who would become involved in the events of the Cold War after helping the former First Order Stormtrooper Finn and the astromech droid BB-8 escape off-world with a map leading to the missing Jedi Luke Skywalker. Jakku has made appearances in comics, books, and video games, as well as an appearance in The Force Awakens. Shannon, back to you. Great, thanks for that, Jerry. So. Brad, why is 
Jakku, your kind of canon planet of choice. What is it about Jakku that you're like, yep, that's me. That's mm-hmm. my planet. That's almost kind of like pseudo where you're from kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, that's that's where we got introduced to our new cast of characters. And to me, that's kind of why it holds a special place in my heart, especially that first Force Awakens trailer that we see. That's the first thing we ever see of new Star Wars. So I think part of it's a nostalgia factor and just uh, representing kind of the entry re-entry into Star Wars. But in particular, I think even in some of the other novels, like Aftermath, that series, the Battle of Jakku, like that itself is such a storied event in the Star Wars universe. And I think it's the downfall of the Empire and the rise of something completely new in the Republic. And it was really the the crossroads for the galaxy in a way. It's kind of where it was all decided. It was almost like the, um, kind of like the shot heard around the world for those American history buffs out there. It was kind of like that, you know, <laughs> that kind of level of importance. So, uh, unless I think it's Lexington and Concord, I think that's the, if I remember back to my sixth grade history here, but yeah, yeah even I, me, that's like, Hmm, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do love it. It just seems like a great, uh, springboard for star Wars and, and, uh, new Canon. And I love Ray that's where she's from. Yeah, I um I think I'm I'm with you with the with Ray. Um I I just love the whole I just remember that trailer uh, which actually I'm finishing up in an episode with uh, Pete Fletcher. The audio version is out uh, where we're in um we go to uh where did we go for? Ah, Tatooine. Sorry. So many planets. I'm like I don't know how to navigate, hence why I have a navigator. But um <laughs> but we talked about the Force Awakens trailer and I think I just loved that first image where we kind of see Rey is she's this teeny tiny little speck going across this massive, you know, star destroyer in the sand. And what an image, because we've never seen that. And if anything, I, I hope what I think the sequel trilogy, if I could describe it, compared to stuff is that it brought a lot of stuff we had never seen before mm-hmm. and even really kind of this whole disney era i sometimes hate saying the disney era because that sometimes is thrown around like an insult but um, we won't get on that hot take in this show but i i just love the concept of jack where it's this like graveyard because that's one thing that again you never really think about or it's never shown is this, these battles, things like fall into the atmosphere or they're in the atmosphere because we always think, oh, everything's in space. But the sequel trilogy has really like had things where they are in the planet's surface. I mean, we saw those same Star Destroyers going over Jeddah, which that was like really to yeah. get perspective of you know the size and scale it's like oh this has a more tangible mm-hmm. kind of presence but so no jack q i think it's just f- fun to say too yeah like and i love i love your impression back to jack who <laughs> why does everybody want to go back to jack who i would love in uh, rise of skywalker if they actually end up going to back to jack who and there's just some like subtle nod to finn he just like rolls his eyes or something i'd be like <laughs> that would be funny like that would be hilarious yes. i don't know how they would do it but i, I would love it <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So in today's episode, we're going to cover 
um, kind of a couple things that have come up. Um, yeah. Talked about tri- Triple Force Friday. The global announcement um, as of this recording came out last night. And I actually just did a live stream where I was kind of reacting to it. But I thought we mm-hmm. could kind of touch bases a little bit on it because some interesting details were kind of dropped. I don't think on accident, but two right. characters were mentioned that I was like, wait a minute, I've never heard you guys before. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I don't even know if I can like remember their names, but like the first one came out when Finn is taught or Finn. Oh my gosh, listen to me. Sorry. John Boyega <laughs> is playing with Lego Finn oh, and yes. they talk about a character and it was like Bobo Nasser. Yeah, <laughs> do we know any do we know anything about him do you know anything about him no but i remember anthony carboni immediately afterwards where it was like anytime bulio's mentioned we just put bulio back wherever he came from we don't want to talk about bulio just yet <laughs> we can't yeah and i'm like oh kind that's of kind of like interesting a, or it's kind of like a, on camera okay stop this is all we can say <laughs> put him back in the falcon john don't take yeah, him yeah don't yeah um and then when we saw the black label c-3po which i still i want to know i'm curious i want to ask you in a second the con what you think the context of this is but it's c-3po with the chewbacca bandolier or however Mm -hmm. you say it his satchel and his like bowcaster and things but then there's a teeny tiny and i mean this how this is (laughs) not gonna break it is so small and it blew you could tell it blew anthony daniel's brain yeah like what is this but what did you catch the name of that one it was like a triple syllable name i think it was babu frick yes wow you were good at this he's i i only remember his name because he is so small with uh, spelled s-m-o-l small and he is precious and we need to protect him i'm a stan <laughs> i stand now i stand babu he's so cute he looks adorable oh my gosh say so say him one more time i think it's babu frick i might be butchering that name or babu like, freak like, it makes me think of like Bobby Frey or something from the Water Boy. I'm I'm aging myself. Dufrey, yeah, Bobby Dufrey or whatever. But um, that's, but yeah, from he, what I've people were theorizing, um, like in the first trailer for the Rise of Skywalker, you see furry hands are the ones that are putting together Kylo Ren's helmet. So some people are thinking that it's Babu putting together the helmet. Which I, I don't oh my know God, if that was confirmed or not. I just said this. Yeah. Yeah, I just said this on the live stream like 30 minutes ago. Oh really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. You came in late, but thank you for stopping by. But um. I said that, I was just like, I wonder if that's who's building. Cause it's very interesting. Kind of this got my speculating, you know, speculation nation brain going, <laughs> but it's interesting that he's obviously, one, I think only light side things were shown. We didn't have mm-hmm. anything first order or Sith shown at all in this reveal, if you notice. Right. Um, but it's very interesting that that character, uh, the first one, Bill. I'm. I'm sorry. Bulio. It's gonna take me a while to get through. Bulio. Thank you. Like who? The, I, I only Bulio. remember it because it's, it's almost October, and I. I feel like I need to make him my profile picture for the whole month of October. Oh, I like that. Okay, that that association that. just. Yeah, that association <laughs> helped. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that the way that Bulio is in the Falcon. Also, theory. I have a theory. Ray makes Dio. I would love that theory. Because if I've you heard... notice, D- mm-hmm. Dio is with everything with her. Yeah. She with her black her black series with all the mm-hmm. Lego sets. Yep. Dio is always with Ray. 
Which yeah. is a shame because I'm like, why you had BB-8? Is I or, or maybe I heard somewhere that she adopts him or something. Yeah. Well, I guess when you think about but. it, BB-8 is kind of Pose Pose dude, you know. That's true. That's the other thing that in some of the stuff that's leaked, that BB-8 has like an, a black color to him mm-hmm. now, kind yeah. of thing. So I think he lost a panel. I yeah. think. That it makes, looks like that that's what the Funko sense. toy looks like. It looks yeah. like his orange panel fell off the side so that's what i'm thinking yeah maybe gets beat up a little bit but you know there's probably um, someone out there that has like a theory like oh that represents like he's scarred like he is kylo ren actually i should stop that voice i don't mean in a patronizing (laughs) way sorry i I mean no disrespect but yeah you know what you you can tell someone's probably already like i love that meme of that guy with all the stuff and he's like doing that crazy like oh yeah what is that from like is that uh, i think it's zach galifianakis when he oh no 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 that's a different one but i know what you're talking about it's like when they show all the shapes and the triangles and numbers oh and no like that no that one's from that's from um the hangover that one i know okay. but it's the where the guy has all the stuff on the the wall and, and he's got like the strings and, yeah it's <laughs> oh that's from always sunny that's it's oh, always okay. sunny in philadelphia yeah, yeah that one's great you could tell i've lived in yeah. the uk for nearly 10 years i'm like don't know any american television anymore <laughs> but um yeah, so I always think of that. Like, it's like just everything goes yeah. crazy. I mean, to be fair, I was doing this in this reveal because I, just mm-hmm. like I just said, I'm like, it's interesting. And like they, you know, sh- and, you know, why show the droid almost Sphero toy, which I guess someone in chat said that um, Sphero isn't actually with them anymore. But the engineering okay. is cool. Yeah. And it's again, it came out with Daisy. And so right. I think there's definitely yep. something either she makes him or she adopts him just like she rescues BB-8. Yes. But we got mm-hmm. a lot of droids. We're going to have like four at a minimum yeah. kind of thing. But like, There's a lot. A little droid family. I think it's going to, I think the movie's going to end with the droids somehow, honestly. Mm. I think they'll be kind of the the MacGuffins of sorts to tell the, tell the story potentially. Or, you know, we've already seen 3PO tell stories before. No. You know, assuming he doesn't bite the dust, but um, you know they've always kind of been around all nine movies. It'd be, it'd be interesting, but we're adding more to it. Yeah, and I like the droid family a lot. So, can you help me when they? As I've heard this term used quite a bit, and I just, I shame on me should know what it means. But when you say MacGuffin, what is a MacGuffin? I know, like conceptually, what it means. It's it's basically like a storytelling device. I think it would be the best way to put it. Yeah, it says. An object or device in a movie or book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. Oh. So when people refer to 3PO or R2-D2 as MacGuffin, they're, they're referring to them as a, a storytelling device to further the plot in terms of ending the plot of the movies. So to, to kind of wrap up all nine movies, like, you know, keeping the movie self-contained, but mm. also keeping it... Um, had nodding to all nine movies. Like, 3PO or R2 could be the ones that say, you know long time ago in a galaxy far far away like the skywalkers rose up and yada 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 yeah so that's that would be like so meta and i would love (laughs) it and it's almost like a princess bride-esque ending where you know they're telling the story they've been telling the story this whole time time um you know and i think that's even something george lucas had talked about when he originally created star wars i think he said something like he wanted like r2 to be telling the story of the 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 wills or the guardians of the wills i might be completely butchering this so just don't take my word for it 100 percent. but he had said something along those lines of of r2 being the one who is the storyteller this entire time nice 
which I find really interesting. Yeah, and I think they even kind of did that. I think, though, I think that I love that idea, and I think they may have done that in a comic. Hmm. Or it was, it's, I think it's the end of the droids comic that came out like a year or so, because I remember them talking about in Collider that it ends Ow. with it being like R2-D2 telling a story. Oh, yes, it's the Poe Dameron comic. Oh, okay. So the whole the whole comic, I think it was one of the final issues. It was one of the best ones, I think. But um, this whole time, uh, we're getting walked through, like, The Force Awakens and kind of into The Last Jedi, and all we see are speech bubbles. Mm. And at the very end of the comic, it goes to present day, and it's uh, BB-8 and RTD2 talking to each other. So they've been communicating the story. Oh, wow. So there's another nod right there for you, too. If, if that's, you know, the so-called theory of how the all nine movies could wrap up with the droids being the bystanders this entire time, kind of like the those characters in Romeo and Juliet that I can't remember um, who were the ones to tell the story. You know, that's the kind of same similar in the similar vein. Yeah. How would you feel about that? Which so would you like that? Are you on board with that theory or? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that theory I would really like it, I think, Mm -hmm. because, okay, stipulation. There's a couple endings I would like, one of them being like the binary sunset somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's Rey looking out at the binary sunset, Kylo looking out, both of them, however you might put it, I think that could be the way to end the Skywalker saga, considering that's how Revenge of the Sith ended also. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we're going by the it's like poetry, theory you know line of reasoning that would make sense but i I do love the idea of like the droid telling the story or even how the last jedi ends i think of the little kids talking about luke skywalker so it's like you know are we going to end it with a new some you know quote unquote jedi order Mm. or some young kids in class or something and they're learning you know, R2's projecting something out and just like he did for Leia and he's showing them the Skywalker saga this whole time. And like, that's why he's been so important because he's the one that like passes on the legacy, even past like, you know, Ray and Kylo and Poe and Finn and Rose and mm. all those people, you know, they all at some point will die, but R2 is a droid and can basically live on forever and carry that story with him so i don't know it could be like really poetic but i'd also be i'm sure they're going to end it in some sort of mind-blowing way i'll be happy no matter what but that's like a fun headcanon thing for me to think about oh yeah and i love those kinds of meta like endings like even like the hobbit you know ended that in kind of a similar way so did you watch the the live stream reveal of force friday didn't catch it live, but I watched it on my lunch today, and it was a lot of fun. I love nice. Anthony Carboni and Pedro Pascal and, and Gina Carano. <laughs> Those yes, are my takeaways. They're, they're like my women crush and man crush, like man crush Monday <laughs> and women crush Wednesday. Like I love both of them. Yeah. Um, what What was like the one thing you saw in the reveal that you're like, yep, I am totally getting that. Like, yeah. here is my money now. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say one thing first. Um, Gina Carano and Pedro Pascal, seeing them involved in a Star Wars project and seeing themselves in Funko form, there is no better joy in life than watching somebody first see themselves in like an action figure form. That is awesome to see. And I think Gina Carano especially, just because I don't think she's been on this kind of like caliber scale of a project, to see her get so excited when she pulled the Funko out is amazing. So I'm gonna start there. I want those Mandalorian Funkos real bad. Um, I've usually been pretty selective on the ones that I do buy, 
and I'm at the point now where I've seen all the ones coming out next week, and I'm like, I literally can't choose. I just have to buy all of them. Like, not all of them, but I'm gonna buy like five of them because they're they're so well made. The Mandalorian one especially looks really cool, and uh, Cara, Dune, Cara Dune's character with the rebel logo under her eye is awesome. That was a nice little reveal this well, week. That, that was the only thing that got slightly spoiled for me because I'm actually, a, I'm going to sound like, I mean, we're nerds, so why am I even like disclaiming? But <laughs> I'm on a, a Facebook group for people who want to cosplay as her because as mm -hmm. being someone who's a bit of a, a heavier girl, it's kind of like, oh, you know, she's, I mean, she's, she's just, big as in she's built and i'm not saying yeah. that she's heavy or she's a wrestler like that, but anyway. she was a wrestler yeah. mma fighter our mma fighter yeah. she, um and but they posted something because like i put myself on like a twitter embargo where i wasn't looking plus i was very busy today at work i just wasn't looking at anything but i mm -hmm. just saw the one thing where her like for a frame they show the rebel yeah emblem which i actually find quite fascinating because she's a former shock trooper yeah. Which I'm like, wait, isn't that huh. from the Empire Shock yeah. Trooper? Why does she have a rebel tattoo? I bet you she turned real quick when she had the chance. Or is it, do you know, like, this is really stretching and we're in proper speculation nation here, but <laughs> is it like, you know, when a prison, you know, the prisoners have the tear tattoo? Yeah. What if it's she killed a high-ranking rebellion oh, person? Like that's, I mean, that's not a huge stretch. Yeah, that's actually kind of yeah. interesting. Kind of like Killmonger in Black Panther, how he has the... Um, he has all those bumps on his chest for every yeah, person he's that scars, he's killed. Yep. Scars, yeah. So that's not, a, that's not a stretch. That is actually really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And I wonder if, you know, that's and it would really actually be interesting for a character because it's like now in retrospect, she maybe supports the rebellion, even though she's a bounty hunter. But then also like she's living with the fact that like that's there because I killed somebody. So yeah. it's like kind of an emotional tug of war for her to like, I like this image on my body, but I also like reminds me of my former self. Yeah. So that could and be it's, interesting. And it's such... That's such a Dave Fione and John Favreau mm -hmm. trope, too, because John Favreau, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about Dave. I mean, I know what he's known for, but I guess by working on a couple projects with John Favreau, I know he's mm -hmm. all about that kind of little detail, and right. he's very much into character development, yes. even if the final product kind of isn't the best, aka mm -hmm. Lion King, um, he very much thinks about that. So even if it doesn't shine through, you know he sat there and had like thinking about every motivation. So I, I don't know, I guess so that's why I kind of throw that out there because it's like, yeah. But no, I definitely, I'm right there with you. And it's so funny you said that because I know you came into the live stream late. I actually said that, that I am very selective with the pops that I buy, that I usually have it to be one per film, unless it's like I won Enfys Nest in a contest on actually Star Wars Newsnet. Um, yeah. Oh, that's but, awesome. Uh, She's awesome well, looking character. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I have like Ray. With reaching out with the lightsaber from The Force Awakens, and then, but oh, then I awesome. also got I got also some of them. I had the best like teammates at my former job. They knew I love Funko Pops and Star Wars, and it just worked. It's also a nice cheap 
gift for everyone to chip in. And so mm -hmm. I've, I kind of, I have three rogue ones and like two last Jedi's or something like, so like I myself yeah. will buy one per film, but then sometimes yeah. have been gifted. <laughs> yeah. That's how I've been kind of taking it too. Like maybe one or two per movie. Um, like what for solo, I got the Chewbacca one that's flocked. So it kind of has a more like leathery, hairy, uh, texture on it, which I liked. And he has the goggles and the Han Solo, Alden, Ehrenreich, uh, Funko. I got the f the first ever Funkos I got were the Rey and Kylo ones from Force Awakens, which is why I'm so excited to get these new ones because it's like the end of our characters and the cracked mask of Kylo. And Rey's outfit in the Rise of Skywalker is so badass. It's so cool. Like how white she, like her, her, her clothes before were very tan and now they're like very white like very bright white like and i think that's just such a stark contrast to the darkness of kylo yeah. so it's like a true yin and yang i'll say it's mix, a literal you know yin and yang they couldn't yeah. have been more literal about it yeah 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 so like oh god I, I love those um i'm trying to think of a couple others i have i have like darth vader from rogue one uh, i got um, that one that was I one that i was given for birthday yeah, I got the blue, which some of these are two where you can't even get anymore, which I don't think you can actually buy the Darth Vader one, but the blue Boba Fett chrome that I got at Star Wars Celebration, props to my brother for waiting in that line nice. to get it. That, I tried. <laughs> that line was intense. I actually, yeah. very short story, was um, in line, got in early morning, so I learned a new term this year, I rope dropped, I was literally there, everyone, I mean, there were people sprinting to get yeah. to the Funko line, and I didn't realize, I thought it was to get in line to wait, no, it was to wait to get a number to then come back, Yes. and by the time, like, I got there, I mean, I was, I didn't think I was very far, and luckily there was a, mm -hmm. a someone I made friends with in line, she's like, oh no, you're gonna be now sitting here for about five hours, I was like, Oh no! And then she would bless her because she was really into Funko. She's like, "Oh yeah," because she's like, "Which one do you want?" I was like, "Oh, I want the Darth Maul." And yeah. um, she's like, "Oh, that's oh, not even a celebration." One. She's like, "That's not even a celebration exclusive. You'll be able to get that later." And I was like, "Oh, okay. I'm not waiting in line then." I was like, "Nope." <laughs> yeah, no. The line is is a commitment. But those Funkos, if you are out there and you're maybe not sure of the fascination with Funkos or kind of what what the deal is like I said I don't I'm not a huge huge collector I know some people have massive collections I even think of like Star Wars explained I know he has a pretty big collection with Molly but watch the documentary Finding Funko it's on Netflix I need to I need very, to I'm very hoping good. it's on yeah yeah and it's cool if you don't ever buy one but it's really fascinating to look at the culture of them and why they're so popular and they and I know Star Wars does play a big part in at why Funko was successful, I, I believe, because I do talk about it at some point and why that particular brand and Funko like helped their whole company lift off because they had the Star Wars IP yeah, to create new products. So that actually, Star Wars did help Funko itself. Well, it's oh, it's a nice it's a nice thing because like everyone likes action figures, but then us who are a bit older, sometimes we just have the action figure just literally sitting on our desk, and they're not very expensive. Right. And man, in like the in just like the kind of four years I've been collecting, the detail has gotten amazing. Like yes. in the hair and mm -hmm. everything like that. Like seeing them. I loved like going back to the Triple Force Friday. John Boyega <laughs> loved his hair. Like he kept going on about. I knew you were like, gonna hey, bring you it up. My... 
it was wonderful <laughs> and i because i dig his hair and it's even getting longer like i'm, yeah. I'm like man i'm hoping i'm gonna run into you in london because all i'm gonna say is i absolutely <laughs> love your hair but um I, he was and and um naomi aki the same thing she was like oh look at my hair like they yeah. really because if you look at like the very first Luke Skywalker or Chewbacca is a really fascinating one. The first Chewbacca that came out compared to Chewbacca now. Yeah. They've really, yeah, they've really upped, yeah. upped their game and things like that. But Even Connick's too. Like, have you seen Connick's, the Connick's Funko? The new one? Yeah, she's got no, some not huge yet. Leia vibes, um, but her hair in that looks pretty, pretty dope. I mean, now and, I can um, completely go through all the leaks because now I know what was shown and what wasn't. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the merchandising though has been such a blast to watch. There's a couple throw. There's a Mandalorian throw blanket that I saw. I'm like, gotta get that. Oh my god, I'm gonna declare bankruptcy next week, and I'm going to oh. near Comic Con, and they're <gasps> selling a couple of books early there. They're selling Secrets of the Jedi a month and a half early. Oh. And I'm like, why are you having both of these events simultaneously? And I don't know if you saw this, but Bottleneck, I guess they're selling a art print for The Rise of Skywalker. I think it has to do with the TIE Fighter, the Whisper, the TIE Whisper, and Ray jumping over it. They're selling some sort of print at New York Comic Con, but they posted a photo and they covered up the print, but you could like barely see Pasana in the background and like kind of Kylo's tie. Ooh. So there's a lot there's a lot of stuff coming out in general for the Rise of Skywalker merchandising. I might have to give you a wish list and be like, oh, I'll pay for the shipping. <laughs> um, yeah, it, uh, and the Fallen Order too. Let's talk about that a little bit. They yes. got a pretty cool Xbox controller. Looks really, really awesome. I probably won't buy that, but it, it, it looked really cool. And... They had a Cal shirt, um, two more Funkos there that were looking pretty good with BD1 on there. Um, I was very surprised by that. I mean, I because I was like, if they, which I'm hoping, if they make a BD1 on its own, oh, yeah. that is going to be the first Funko I buy of yeah. the year because that little droid is so cute. I mean, sorry, Dio, now BD1 beats you 10 times to the right. point I'm actually thinking about for my game streams. I've learned something called Adobe Character Animator, where you can uh -huh. animate during a live stream a character. Uh -huh. So instead of being on webcam, you have this thing. And I was like, oh my God, I would totally have a BD1 where if like I won or something, I would stomp my feet or something right. like that. But so oh, yeah. that's funny. But it was interesting awesome. that the Cal Kestis one, he's there and that one even looked badass because I love that they're not just standing. Yeah. I mean, there's some proper positions now in these Funkos right. that that's also what's, pardon me, that's also what has really transformed their like yes. yep. five years. Yeah, I'm not much of a Black Series collector. I, I really do appreciate the the collectors out. Any if you're a collector out there, go you. Like keep shining, keep collecting. Like that's that's yeah, awesome. The Black figures just don't. The Black Series figures just don't do it for me. But the Funkos for some reason have just been a lot of fun. And I think you really hit the nail on the head of how they've developed and why they're so they're so appealing to people now. Oh yeah, like I'm definitely gonna get the Kylo because I don't have a Kylo yet. Cause I didn't yes. like any of them, but now with this mask, I was like, well, there's my Kylo. And then I was like, oh, I don't, I was always like, oh, I'm not gonna get the same character. But then I'm like, oh, but Ray looks so amazing too. I'm just like, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I do, I, it's weird that I give myself these little rules and my better half would probably be like, 
really? But um, yeah, I try not to have duplicate characters or the same film or things like that. But I think some exceptions are going right. to have to be made. Definitely going to have yes. to be made. I think the only one I didn't actually like, I felt, and I think it's just the nature of the design, the Zori Bliss just felt way too, the head was just yeah. felt. But I think it's the nature of the helmet because the helmet itself is so big right. on her. But that yeah. one, it made me think of like the bobbleheads, the proper bobbleheads you used to get at like baseball parks and things where it's really <laughs> disproportionate. Um, yeah. I was just like, oh. But she's dual wielding, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree with that. Her, uh, I don't, I, yeah, she doesn't work as a Funko, but um, as her character, I love her look. I love her Very color like scheme. Egyptian I love that she's somehow looking. tied to Poe. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was my next thing so. I was going to say to you was um, it's very interesting that they always are showing the two of them together, and. Mm-hmm. It's they and like they did say a little bit I believe at the D twenty three kind of press where they were talking that her and Poe have a history, kind of yes. thing. So obviously they're playing off that history in like the marketing and things and the toys because yep. again it's interesting their Lego set they're together in a a, yep. a Y wing yeah it's Y wing yeah. yeah I was just and like, with Dio and there's also a blue droid with yes, them I think too I was like, which who's... I'm guessing the blue droid is Zori's. Yeah. Oh, I love this. It's like everyone has a droid now. <laughs> Which makes me think too, was Zori like an old rebellion pilot that maybe knew Poe's mom? Like that could be a thing, you know? Uh, but they're, but they're, I mean, unless, I mean, I'm, the age is a little tough. Yeah. Because like that. Carrie and, um, it's weird. We have two Carries now. Carrie Russell is the same. I, I want to say the same age as Oscar Isaac. So it's yeah. not going to be like. Oh, I I don't know. It, but if she yeah, even tough. takes the helmet off, we don't know mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. But I love going back to the Mandalorian. I love that they have an ATST. And obviously yes. it's theirs because it's painted. Like it has like almost Mandalorian mm-hmm. painted. I, I'm going to lose my mind because I loved Return of the Jedi. And that was like, I loved anything Chicken Walker. Or ATST. Yes, yes. So I think the only time I've not liked an ATST was actually in The Last Jedi. Was I, I was not a fan of the BB 8 controlling the ATST. I just mm-hmm. that one that was a little silly to me. Mm-hmm. However, when I was watching it the other day, I didn't realize because I'm all, you're always as an ed, you know, as an editor, you're got, as an audience member, you're watching Phasma and Finn fight. But then if you look in the background, you're actually <laughs> the whole time you can see BB-8 getting yes. rid of all these stormtroopers. <laughs> so and the detail, it's such detailed visual effects. So anyway, I'm not going to yeah. geek out visual effects in this podcast, but um, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. But that's interesting with the Mandalorian. The classic the Chicken Walker. I totally know what you mean. It's so, it's yeah. so different looking in. The sequel trilogy with all the first order tech so it's yeah. nice sometimes to be like have that little nostalgic hit of like oh yeah. even when we got that in rogue one a little bit it was so fun oh yeah and i guess i almost asked this silly question i was like yeah have we even seen an atst in the sequel trilogy yes we have mm-hmm. i was just talking about it um yeah. yeah so i and like how about that trailer for fallen order because it's interesting i couldn't get really too excited about the xbox because i'm a playstation player so i'm hoping they're gonna make a controller that looks like the xbox one with like the, the yeah. decals and things but um yeah so I, I couldn't really get too excited because like some of the terms he was throwing out oh this will be like xbox s 
version as well. I'm thinking like, okay, I think that's the digital download one and mm-hmm. things like that. And I mean, you'll, you probably know more about that kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. But I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah, the trailer does look pretty, pretty sweet. I love that they focus more on the battle between the Inquisitor and Cal and some of the lightsaber combat was crazy oh and like the when he like did like the move where he like put the arm like behind the guy or whatever i mean it made me just go oh like yeah i'm proper reacting like (laughs) it was (laughs) i was really losing my mind kind of thing but um so the inquisitor but then isn't she called like the seventh sister or something like that Yes, she was first introduced in the Vader comic, actually, when he was training the Inquisitors. Oh, okay. Oh, so I see. Which leads me to my theory that this this game is going to end with Cal battling. You're going to battle Darth Vader, I think, in this game. Ah, okay. I'm pretty positive. I'm, like, pretty positive it's going to happen, but that's... I digress. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think Vader's going to hear someone's taking out his his baddies? Oh, someone took out one of my Inquisitors? Who's that? Cal? Okay, (laughs) let's go get him. (laughs) <laughs> can you imagine? Obviously, this would never happen because he's not canon. But can you imagine if he was like, oh, this cow kid? Hey, meet uh, Galen Merrick here, Starkiller. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, that would be great. That would be great, but it won't happen because obviously we've got not ca- non-canon. Yeah. And, you know, because that was Vader's apprentice kind of thing. But, um, yeah, which I'm totally going to play those games again in 2020. Totally stream those for, like, my retro throwback like thursday nights because i love those games they're right. insane which that's what i almost kind of like about jedi fallen order it feels like it has that feeling of the force unleashed but not so epic scale it feels a bit more yes. tangible and things yep. but it's, it's interesting they obviously have kept some like nods like jedi academy because when he it looks like when cal uses his lightsaber almost as a lantern i saw a screenshot on twitter that it was showing another character in like jedi academy or something did that exact same move where they put it up almost like it's like a lantern which that's quite fascinating yeah the the combat from what i've heard is very technical it's very difficult to learn which makes it challenging which i like you know i like those games that take skill to actually you know, learn how to do X move or Y move versus just bashing the B button or whatever. Yeah. It makes it a little more intricate and uh, a little more challenging, you know? So on top of that, we had literally announced as of yesterday as well with the Triple Force Friday, or maybe it might have even more been morning. Sorry, with the UK, sometimes my news, like, yeah, I'm a bit late to the party. <laughs> yeah. That helped me out with this. So... It's Kevin Feige, is it like he is for sure doing a Star Wars film or like what's the proper story? Let me just look it up here from The Hollywood Reporter and I'm talking very slow so my computer loads it. But here's what this uh, report says here. So it looks like Walt Disney Studios chairman Alan Horn and creative... uh, yeah, the, he's a creative chief officer. Um, mm. He said, We are excited about projects Kathy and Lucasfilm team are working on, not only in terms of Star Wars, but also Indiana Jones, and reaching in the other parts of the company, including Children of the Bone and Blood and Emma Watts and Fox. With the close of the Skywalker saga, Kathy is pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling, and knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together. 
Okay. So I think from just that, people seem to run with it pretty quickly by saying, you know, he's <laughs> he's making a Star Wars movie. Well, it's not technically what the quote says. The quote says he's working together with Kathy. So yes, he's working on a on a film, but we don't know if it's what capacity it is. Mm. He might just be helping creatively. I was about I'm to say sure. it might be more in the development stage because we, we talk about this in my visual effect podcast that there's multiple facets to, I mean, even obviously just a visual right. effect pipeline, but in filmmaking in general. So who, I mean, it makes sense. I know a lot of other very prominent podcasters have been saying this, that, you know, Kevin Feige really built this Marvel cinematic universe and what's a complaint that, a, a, I you know, a pretty good handful of people, not handful, but, uh, you know, a, a massive amount of people have complained about it, feeling like the new sequel trilogy doesn't have a plan or the whole just Disney mm-hmm. era in general. You know, people have said, get Kevin Feige and get Kevin Feige. And well, it looks it could be that it could just be like, OK, you're done with that saga. Now it really is your own thing. How are we going to make people how do you make people come back to the cinema or Disney Plus with the Star Wars brand on characters nobody's heard about? And maybe he's just helping kind of, hey, this is how we used to plan, you know, in movie one, the payoff is in movie 10. So it's very much the development. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point in saying maybe he's just kind of there to say, Kathy Baby's asking, you know, what are you guys doing? Like, how do, how do you guys organize this kind of thing? Because now... I think the important part of this quote is with the close of the Skywalker saga, you know, we haven't we haven't touched this kind of territory with Star Wars before. So maybe Kathy just wants some advice. I mean, I'm sure she she can do it all on her own. She doesn't need Kevin Feige to do this. But, you know, you have such a, a big resource to you at, at Disney. And it's like, hey, why don't we just have like the two most powerful people at Disney right now sit together in a room and f- kind of figure things out. And I, I think I don't think for one second Kathy Kennedy is ever going to be replaced by Kevin Feige. I don't ever believe that. She's mm. one of the top producers in Hollywood, Hollywood ever, ever. And regardless of what you think, people out there think of the movie. I mean, Disney earned their four billion dollars back pretty quickly. So from a production standpoint, she's killing it. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is as merely just saying, you know, Kevin Feige just. Know, helped helm one of the the biggest grossing movie of all time what is what does that formula look like you know just i just kind of want to not that they're going to follow his formula exactly but it's just like you know kind of like a meeting of the minds just seeing what's going on yeah um i for one to be completely honest with you when i first heard this announcement again i like to keep things positive and i think he's great i love his work i think he's done a lot of great things for the mcu i think now the mcu is also starting to bring on different types of talent both behind the scenes and in front of the camera which is extremely important but this kind of felt like a safe move mm. like too safe of a move you know yeah and I, the, one of the biggest complaints for myself even and a lot of people in the star wars community is that there just hasn't been enough representation for these kinds of roles because you have no discredit to any of these directors they're all great guys but you have jj abrams ryan johnson jj abrams ryan johnson trilogy david and benny or david weiss db weiss and benioff i can't remember their names yeah benioff and weiss yeah (laughs) yeah benioff and weiss you have benioff and weiss then you have john favreau and dave filoni and then you have uh 
now you have Kevin Feige. So it's like, it kind of just felt like a lot of like white dudes mm. lining up for the next Star Wars thing. And they kept saying like, you know, you know, these guys are such big fans. It's like, yes, but there are also a lot of other people out there who are huge fans of Star Wars. And even if they're not huge fans of Star Wars, I'm sure they'd make a really awesome Star Wars movie. Like I'm sure Ryan Coogler would make an awesome Star Wars movie. I'm sure Patty Jenkins would make an awesome Star Wars movie. So to me, I was kind of, bu- I was really bummed, honestly. Not because I don't like Kevin Feige, but I was just kind of like, let's try something a little different, you know? There's so much Star Wars story to tell, so it's like, why not try to bring on some new talent? Maybe even some directors we don't even know. Give somebody else a a shot, you know? So I think it's kind of nice. I mean, Star Wars has always been kind of... I think the special thing about it is bringing in talent nobody's ever heard of. Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, well, Daisy Ridley. This is, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I was actually thinking about this randomly as I was cycling home. <laughs> I have very random cycle thoughts. But what, you know, because I knew I had heard about this MCU and I'm actually really glad to hear that side because when I saw this announcement, I was actually really excited. But again, more in the sense of somebody who clearly has a very long-term plan so it's very fascinating hearing your side of it because i and even as someone who is you know as a woman where that it's it's fascinating that i don't that i didn't come to that conclusion oh another white dude like so it's thank you very much for sharing that point um but what i thought about because like obviously people are like yeah chris evan was the one to do a brie larson the tricky thing is they have been in such iconic roles already what is so lovable about one of the things that's so lovable about star wars every time you get a new character you haven't really heard of them before as an actor unless like i mean mm-hmm. i think the few that break that mold is pedro pascal um mm-hmm. adam driver with girls yeah he's pretty driver popular on that and, show um uh, John Boyega, Attack of the Block. Ah, uh, see, no, I didn't know. Bit. I didn't know John Boyega, but um, oh god. Oh, Donnie, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen. He was another one. Um, Poe. Felicity Jones. Poe, Poe. God, what's? How did I? Mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac. I knew. Oscar Isaac. I yeah. knew of Oscar Isaac. So mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac was one that I knew as well. So it's it's one of those yeah. kind of things. So, um, but yes, Carrie Russell's also. So I mean, they're starting to bring it, but I mean. Mm-hmm. Amelia Clark was an interesting one because obviously she was big for Game of Thrones, but that's all she was known for. But if you bring in like Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Evans or some of these other big MCU people, it's going to be very, for me, very difficult to go, oh, that's Scarlett Johansson as someone in Star Wars, not Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Maybe ScarJo yeah. is not the greatest example because I also loved her in Ghost in the Shell, but. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's so important to tell Star Wars from different perspectives. You know, I, I think it's from a storytelling perspective, we're not we're not going to get the kinds of stories that people want to see or different types of stories people want to see without broadening, you know, the perspective. I mean, if ima- imagine just the same kind of people sitting in a room making decisions about Star Wars. Like, we would never get anything unique or different or groundbreaking. Exactly. So I think, and, and that's just even, not even in the film industry, but in any industry. I mean, every company needs to embrace diversity because you have to have it to yeah to get new ideas and also, like, give representation to those communities and, and, and et cetera. So it's, I, I, I think it's, it's super important. So that's why I was kind of, like, initially bummed, not because I don't like Kevin Feige, but I was just like, 
maybe something else mm-hmm. could have done something else. You've already given D and D their share. You've already given Ryan Johnson a trilogy again. Let's do something a little different, especially when we're looking at like the next ten years of Star Wars. Yeah. But um, I'm excited to see what he does. I'm very optimistic. Hopefully, it's great. Hopefully, too. I think the other silver lining is maybe what he's doing in the MCU now for better diversity and representation. Maybe he'll do that in Star Wars if yeah. he's if if he's helping to like develop or produce or whatever his role is. Maybe he'll um, give um, some a person of color a directing job well, that's, for the film that he'll be overseeing. You know. Well, this is why I'm also very excited for the Mandalorian series because yes, kind of John Favreau and Dave Fioni are show running it, but directing it. I know Dave Fioni is directing the pilot, but then Taika Waititi. Um, who's some of the other ones? There, there is. It was like every director was a different representation. Uh, Bryce mm-hmm. Dallas Howard. So we have a woman director. You know, I, I hate. I yeah. We have Taika Waititi. There's. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a few other people that I. I, I want to say. Deborah Chow. Yeah. Thank you. That. So I was very happy to see that. So I do think it's starting. Um, it's going to yep. take some time, but I think it's it's starting. And it's very interesting that you yep. say that because what has happened in the hour right before we started recording? <laughs> yes. Well, as I was still reeling from the Feige news and seeing his face everywhere in my feed and just kind of <laughs> doing a slight eye roll, it was announced that Deborah Chow is actually going to direct the entire series for Obi-Wan on Disney+, Plus, which is is huge. I mean, that is big news. Yes. I mean, this was exactly what I, a couple days ago I was like, oh my God, we like, we need something like this and they're not giving it to us yet. And Star Wars being such a big IP in itself has the power to set the precedent in Hollywood to give these opportunities to people and to make everybody else go, yeah, we need to step up and do a better job also. So that's why Star Wars especially needs to do this, and it's so awesome yeah. to see. And Deborah Chow, I mean, she's directed, I don't know how many episodes of The Mandalorian she's directed, but I know she's directed episodes of, of Better Call Saul, of Mr. Robot. Oh, nice. And, and just to name a couple. So, I mean, we're, we're tapping into some pretty great talent. Yeah, because I, mm-hmm. I confess, I didn't know who she was. And again, like, because I also was live streaming and then you were telling me, I was like, wait, what? I saw like someone's photo on Twitter. That's all I saw. And so that's mm-hmm. that's exciting. And yeah, I think also also notable, though, besides Deborah Chow, it looks like the series is written by Hossein Amini. I think that's how you say his name. He did The Alienist and Drive. Ooh. And Ewan McGregor, Amini, Chow, and Ewan McGregor are serving as executive producers of the show alongside Kathleen Kennedy. Nice. Yeah, so I think that's actually notable for Ewan. I think that I had heard somewhere, according to some source, maybe I don't remember where I heard it, but I think part of his deal coming back was that he would get some sort of producer credit to kind of buff up his resume a little bit to help him outside of acting so he can kind of start going into more directorial things yeah so that's cool for him and awesome. he's also so passionate love to see it and he's so passionate about the obi-wan character like i love that mm-hmm. outtake you know the behind the scenes where they're clearly filming the end you know the fight and he jumps on the yeah. mat and he's so excited and he says you know my agent goes you want what is the quote kind of like He's like, you want to be in a Star Wars? And he goes, fuck yeah, yeah too, I do. Yeah, he's like, too fucking right. Like that, and that is a very British, yes, Scottish yes. thing. Because, like, yeah, it's... Yeah, being a Star Wars film, they said. And I said, too fucking right. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Uh, and as someone who wants to kind of yeah. get into motorcycling too, it, it's funny. Like I also, I loved him in Moulin Rouge. Like, uh, yeah, he, he's my, yeah. he's my man crush Monday a lot. Like, and he yeah. just, he's like a fine wine. He still looks great. I'm just like, yep. <laughs> so no, yeah. I think that, sorry, going on a tangent, but I think that aside, um, I think, yeah, it'll be good. He really cares as well. So, being like an executive producer also can have a lot of like say into the creative direction as well so i'm very excited yeah. i'm so glad we finally it's gonna got be this a really great collaboration between those three so that's that's what i'm most excited for you're getting all these different perspectives again why diversity is important yep. you're getting deborah's perspective you're getting amini's perspective you're getting ewan's perspective and they all bring a different take to the star wars universe based on how they first experienced it based on how they were introduced to it based on what they've wanted to see their whole life. You bring all that to the table and you create something extremely unique and that can really resonate with a lot of people. Yeah. Where sometimes if it's just the same type of people all coming together, there's not there's not as much of a, um, a uh, there's not as great of a degree as collaboration potentially that could occur, you know? So it's really cool to see this happen. Yeah. And I was, I, as soon as I saw the news, I was like, yeah, <laughs> awesome. And, and, and I know there have been women directors in Star Wars before, but the fact that she's getting the entire thing to herself yeah. to direct is like pretty significant. Cause that, that particularly, I don't think hasn't been done yet. I know they've had Victoria Mahoney, who's episode nine's second unit director. So she, she was actually the first woman to serve in any directing role in, the, in Star Wars. So that's, that's pretty significant for her. And then Deborah Chow did the Mandalorian episode. So um, you know, they're, they're, they're continuing to make progress and, and that's, that's important. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm super excited for the, the future of Lucasfilm and this gives me hope. And um, maybe next year at Celebration, will give me, they'll give us a future filmmakers panel where maybe they'll pull a huge stunt and show us all these different types of people who are going to be involved in Star Wars, yeah. you know? So that, that would be really cool. That would really, really bring a lot more fans into the franchise also, which is super important. Yes. Like you can't be one particular club of people no. forever because it's not going to work. And I don't want it to be that. No, I mean, that's why I love, I mean, that's why I even love like hearing different sides of the fandom as well you know for me it's like as long as it's a civil conversation i want to know why like I, because mm -hmm. I, talking you know it's, it's great geeking out with someone when you guys agree but also i like being not challenged but like yeah i like having a different perspective so i'm very excited for this and of course obviously the visual effect person is very happy because that means lots of work too it's like yay come on down because <laughs> like london is one of the biggest london and um Vancouver, Montreal, and India. Those are the um, like visual effect hubs. So I'm just kind of like, oh yes. Yeah. And I think they announced that all the Disney Plus shows are going to be done in London. So it's like, oh yes, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> well, that's pretty much our episode tonight. So Brad, where can people find you? So if you would like to listen to Friends of the Force, you can find me at Friends of Force on Twitter. So go follow us there. We're on a, a current quest for 1,000 followers by the time The Rise of Skywalker comes out. So help us out a little bit. And you can listen to our show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Anchor. And go listen to my and Shannon's episode back a couple months ago. We did visual effects in Star Wars. Oh, I know. And that was a lot of fun. A lot of good research went into it. Just a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, Shannon brought a lot of her good knowledge to the the conversation that I have no uh, such 
knowledge in. So it was a, it was a meeting of the minds. Another instance of, of diversity of thoughts and experiment, or <laughs> another instance of diversity of thought and experience merging together to make an episode of a podcast, which is what I like to do on my show. I like to have all sorts of different guests on the show, most importantly, because everybody's a friend of the force and that is important. So Star Wars is for everybody, but that is my podcast. Go listen to it. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it, please. <laughs> and thank you too, Shannon, for having me on your podcast today. It's it's exciting to be here. And thank you, Brad, for coming on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at From Galaxy's Edge. You can also find my game streams on Twitch at Shenanigan, spelled with an E-N at the end, underscore plays. Also, I can be found on YouTube. Uh, just type in my name, Shannon, S-H-A-N-N-O-N Moran. And also, I'm active on Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So um, thank you for checking this out. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you.